Appreciate it very much. All right. Well, Galatians chapter 5 is where we'll be this evening. And if you haven't found your place yet, go ahead and do so. But uh, just one more quick announcement I failed to mention earlier is this. Uh, some of you may be asking or wondering uh, when we're going to be doing some of these updates. Well, they are already some of them in progress. Uh, down in the fellowship hall, they are installing those new uh, furnaces. Uh, that was one, one of the first steps we need to, to do for the fellowship hall. They should be done with that tomorrow, all right? And then we can jump on some other projects down there. That's kind of step number one, get that one out of the way. And so those wall units will be gone, new furnaces in, and uh, holes had to be patched after that because it has to be vented outside the, outside the, uh, the fellowship hall, of course. There's a big, there'll be a big hole in the fellowship hall. That will be taken care of, I promise. But uh, these things are, are starting to roll, okay? So just keep that in mind. And I uh, met with some other folks today about the lobby and the baptistry area. So these things are moving forward, and I'm excited about it and thankful for it. And it's going to be good and all things said and done, all right? But be in prayer for me, if you will, and uh, that would be great. All right, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 is where we'll be uh, this evening, and we'll be in verses 13 through uh, we'll just read through the end of the chapter. We won't necessarily get to the end of the chapter tonight, but at least we'll read through it and read to it. But, uh, but Galatians chapter, chapter 5. And again, as we come to this book of the Bible, I want to remind us of the overall context. And when I do this, all right, I really hope it doesn't annoy you. <laughs> when I remind you of the context every time we come to a book that we're studying together. Uh, we're going through three different studies or three different series, really, a couple of different books together from on Sunday and Wednesday. So sometimes it'll be hard to keep everything in line, at least it is for me. So it helps me to know the overall context of the book we're diving back into. So I hope you're not too annoyed when I remind you of the context of this book. And if you do get annoyed, just don't tell me, all right? But uh, just keep it to yourself. And, <laughs> but anyway... But it is important, I believe, to know the overall context of Scripture that we're studying and reading. It aids in our understanding, and we need to know the context. All right, so keep in mind as we come back to Galatians this evening that Paul is addressing the churches in a region or area of Galatia. And uh, he's writing these churches for this main reason because false teachers that we know as Judaizers have begun to creep into this area and into these churches, infiltrating these churches, and have begun to teach another gospel, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Uh, but this is a, another gospel was a false gospel. It was a false gospel of adding works to the finished work of Christ, a false gospel of adding rituals and rules to it, the, the finished work of Christ in order to be saved. So it was teaching, they were teaching a false gospel, which as they were doing so, they were perverting the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And in doing so with that, in turn, they were causing great chaos in the hearts and minds of these dear believers and causing great chaos in the churches of this region, all right? So that's what's going on. So Paul, knowing this, knowing this going on, he uh, lovingly and very passionately picks up his pen and declares to them and defends the true gospel of Jesus Christ. He again defends salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus and not by the works of a law. For he says in Galatians 2.16, For by the works of a law shall no flesh be justified. So, never forget that salvation, your salvation, my salvation, is God's free gift 
to us. It's given by grace, accepted by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope this little book of the Bible we studied together and have studied through for several Wednesdays now and continue to do so. I hope it will solidify that very fact that your salvation is in Christ and in Him alone. All right? So let's continue this study together in Galatians chapter 5. And as we come here, uh, keep in mind as we looked at last time, we considered this phrase found in Galatians 5, 7, where it says, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you? Ye did run well. But who did hinder you? You. We looked last time at some hindrances. And we know there are hindrances to our race as believers. We know that Satan tries to hinder, hinder us and his, his wiles that he throws at us, his darts that he casts at us. We know that. He tries to hinder us in our race. We can see that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and following. We know that sin can be a hindrance uh, to, our, to our race. We can see that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We know that. But as we consider the context of Galatia itself, Galatians itself, and in the immediate context of chapter number 5, we saw some other hindrances to our race. We considered the hindrance of disobedience to the truth in verse number 7. This will always, every time, this will trip us up, all right? Being disobedient to the Word of God will hinder us. We also saw that doctrine can be a hindrance. That is false doctrine, at least. This will always cause us to go backwards. We also know that division can be a hindrance to the race. This is always a devil's desire to divide and conquer. And then we saw that devouring one another will also be a hindrance to the race, to moving forward by the grace of God. Devouring one another will hinder our race. And it would seem as we consider Galatians, the, the region and the churches and the believers there, as we consider this book and understanding of it, it would seem that uh, this was taking place in these churches and in the lives of these believers in the area and churches of Galatia. And these hindrances, these obstacles were stunting their growth. It was tripping them up. It was hindering their race. Because again in verse 7 he says, you did run well. You were doing this. You're doing really good. You did run well, but who did hinder you. They were doing really good. They were getting tripped up. They were getting hindered in this race. We saw those. But as we move forward from that verse and from the other verses that followed verse number 7, I have to ask this question. What's the answer then? We know some of the problems. We know some of the hindrances. What's, what's the answer? I mean, nobody wants to be hindered in their race. No one wants to be pulled down or tripped up as they're, as they're racing or slowed down or stopped. Because remember, that's kind of the word picture that that, uh, that word hinder gives us. As you're running a race and someone stop, jumps out in front of you and tries to slow you down or stop you. Like if you're playing basketball and somebody's on the defense, they get out in front of you and try to stop you from getting to the goal, right? And that's kind of the word picture we get. Some people trying to stop you or hindrances trying to stop you. We know nobody wants to be stopped. No one wants to be hindered. No one wants to slow down. So what's the answer to it? What's the answer that will help combat those hindrances that can come our way? What's the answer that can combat against disobedience and false doctrine and division and devouring one another and so much more? What's the answer to these hindrances that can come our way? Well, again, in the context of what we're studying and looking at, I do find a few answers. That we can take and apply to our life. 
that will help the hindrances, help at least combat against the hindrances that we face from time to time. All right, look at it with me. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 is where we'll start, and we'll read down through verse 26. And if you're taking notes this evening, the title of the message is this. Uh, what is the title of the message? I had it earlier, just lost it. Oh, combating hindrances. Here we go, let's do that one. <laughs> you guys never forget anything ever, right? Everybody's got perfect memory. Man, you guys are so good. All right, combating hindrances. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, let's look at verse uh, 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Our Father, again, we thank you for your word. And I pray you to help us to understand it this evening. To rest our attention, many things, no doubt, want to distract us outside these walls. We think about work this, this past uh, past work day or think about work tomorrow or about our kids, about school, whatever it may be. I pray you help us put all the distractions away and simply focus in on you and learn from your word this evening. We love you. Thanks for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's consider some, some, uh, how to combat some of these hindrances. All right, so how do we do it? How do we fight against it? How do we combat these hindrances to our race? All right, the first thing I see from this text is this, that will help aid in combating the hindrances to our race, is this, number one, all right? Number one, serve one another. Serve one another. Again, look at verse number 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Serve one another. If you have a habit of marking your Bible, I encourage you to circle that word serve, highlight it, underline it, do something, all right? Put a star beside it, something. But make note of this word, serve. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what this word serve means? You're like, yeah. It means serve. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) It does mean serve, but do you know what kind of service? He's talking about here. He says this word serve here is the Greek, from the Greek word duleo. And it means this. It means to be a slave to. To be a bondman to. It simply means this, to be a slave. 
willingly. To be a slave. And do you know what a slave does? A slave's one and only job is this. To serve. To serve people. To serve the one they're living for. To simply serve people. To serve. And really in this little word serve, we really can find the summation or summary of the believer's life. And the Christian's life. Really we should at least. And that is to serve. Yes, always serve the Lord first. As you serve the Lord, guess what you'll find yourself doing? Serving others. Serving people. Serving one another. Because understand something. It was our Savior, the Lord Jesus himself, that set the pace for this race. In this matter of serving. He says this, the Bible says, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down to the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Understand it was Jesus that set the pace for the race in this matter of serving. And if you don't believe me, listen, I encourage you to do this. If you don't believe me, that's what Jesus did in his earthly ministry to serve, then take your Bible and read the Gospel of Mark and find out for yourself. For in that you'll see he calls himself the Son of Man many, many, many times. You'll find that he is a servant. You'll find him as the humble servant. I believe that you'll find there the key verse to the Gospel of Mark itself. If it's not the key verse, it's one of them. But it's Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. Here's what Jesus said about himself. He said, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, meaning he didn't come to be served, but rather, but to minister, to serve. Again, same Greek word there. To be a slave, to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Understand, if this is what Jesus did, if he simply served, and since he came to be a servant and to serve others with his life, And since Jesus did that with his life, then why should we who are saved do anything less with our life? If he came to serve, why shouldn't we do the same and serve one another? Listen, if we want to combat some of these hindrances that we find in this text we looked at last time, Hindrances of, of uh, division or hindrances of, of devouring one another, hindrances of, of uh, uh, disobedience and other things we looked at. Look, if you want to combat that, you know what we, we can do is serve one another. Now, <laughs> I get it. That can be hard. Did you know that serving sinners can be hard? If you didn't, you do now, all right? Because it can be. Is anybody here perfect? Please raise your hand. Anybody? One? Nobody? Great. Great. If somebody raised your hand, I was going to say thank you again for being with us from heaven. We appreciate your presence among us, all right? Amen. But none of us are perfect. Therefore, we're all imperfect people. And serving imperfect people can be difficult. Why? Because we don't do everything right all the time. 
Now, that's no excuse. I understand that, but I'm just being real too. It can be difficult from time to time to serve people because we're all imperfect. We're all fallen. And yes, even good godly people sometimes have their bad days, right? As we say, it can be hard to serve one another. It can be. But if you find yourself having a difficult time serving one another, I want to encourage you to do this. Change your focus. Change your focus. All right. What do you mean by that, preacher? Change your focus. Okay, let me uh, answer that question with a question. Let me ask you. When division happens or when devouring one another happens, how does that come about? How does divisions devouring, how does that come? Well, it comes when we are focused upon ourself. When we are focused upon what we want. When we are focused upon what we want to do. When we are focused upon what our wants are, our desires are. That we are focused upon what we want to do, what benefits us. When we are focused upon these three people in our life, that's how it comes. These three people meeting me, myself, and I. Okay, Which is nothing short, listen, nothing short of pride. When we're focused upon ourselves, oh yeah, I promise you, it'll be hard to serve others. And pride is a, it's a terrible thing. It really is. It's what made the devil the devil. It's what caused the downfall of many good men and women in the scripture. Pride is a terrible thing. And by the way, when there's a, a, a terrible situation going on, you can just about mark it down that there is some form of presence of pride. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse 10. Only by pride cometh contentions. So, if there's fights, squabbles, divisions, or devouring, there's going to be some form of pride in one form or another, somewhere in that scenario and in that instance. So, if we find ourselves there, if we find and we seek to please ourselves, then we will bite, we will divide, we will devour one another. And if that happens, yes, again, our race will be hindered but to combat that we must change our focus it must go from ourselves number one to christ and then when it goes from ourselves and to jesus then our focus will simultaneously go from ourselves to others and the natural flow will be to serve one another why your focus has changed from yourself to the Lord, who is the greatest servant of all. Change your focus. Look, pride and serving cannot cohabitate. It can't. You can't be proud about your serving. <laughs> that's not, no, that's not it. That's not going to work. That's not how it works at all. Pride and serving cannot cohabitate. Remember what Jesus taught his disciples at uh, the Last Supper? And yes, we know what he did with the bread. As he said, this is my body. We know what he did with the wine. This is my blood. We know that. But did you know what happened before that, that illustration he used with the bread and with the wine? He did something really remarkable. Because just prior to the Last Supper, there was a, uh, we can call it a squabble. There was definitely some uh, feathers being ruffled among the disciples. Because there was an argument over who's going to be the greatest. If you remember, it was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, their mother came to Jesus and said, Hey, Lord, 
let my two boys sit on one, one side and one on the other side, one on the right side, one on the left side when you come into your kingdom. Lord, will you, will you do that for my boys? I mean, they're, they're, they're good boys, you know, especially John. He's such a good, good boy. I think he was the youngest. He was the baby, so he got more praise. Anyway, I'm not bitter. But anywho, <laughs> it's a joke. It's all right. But she's like, let these boys sit on one side and the other. But it wasn't just James and John that heard it. It wasn't just Jesus that heard it. No, no. The other ten heard it as well. And the Bible says this in Matthew 20 and verse 24. And then the ten heard it. And they were moved with indignation. Man, they were hot. They're mad. They're moved with indignation against the two brethren. Now, it wasn't the two brethren that said, put me on your right hand, put me on your left hand. No, it was mama that did it. But they were mad at the, the two brethren. Indignation. So there was a squabble, there was an argument going on right before they had the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which then led to the Last Supper. But do you remember what happened at the Last Supper, what he tried to teach them as this wedge was beginning to come in between the twelve? Jesus sat down and taught them all this in John chapter 13, verse 12 through 17. So after he, that's Jesus, so after he had washed their feet had taken his garments and was set down again. He said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord. You say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Meaning this, serve one another. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Listen, he would say, look, you need to serve one another. He's not only telling them that with his words, but he's telling that by example as well. Serve one another. And when we do, when we do serve one another, I promise you what will begin to dissipate is some of these hindrances to the race by serving one another. And I guarantee you, at that last supper, especially after Jesus washed their feet, they didn't really care who was going to be the greatest anymore. All that subsided. That pride fell down, humbled. I guarantee you they were humbled because they were being served. Jesus served them. They were learning to serve one another. Again, I get it. It can be difficult, but our focus needs to change. It can be hard, though. It can be hard one, to serve one another, especially when it's not received nor reciprocated, it can be difficult. But again, keep in mind why we serve one another. Why do we do it? Why should we do it? Listen, we don't serve one another for one another's sake. Nor do we serve one another in order to get something from that individual. We see, we, we don't serve one another like this. You scratch my, my back and I'll scratch yours kind of thing. All right. Uh, this is church, not Washington, D.C., okay? All right, we don't work that way, all right? That's not how it should work at all. That's not the motivation. There is no spiritual ladder to climb. That's not how it works. No, we serve one another for this reason. Not for one another's sake, but rather for his sake. Whose sake? That means Jesus' sake. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 through 15, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose 
again. He is saying, look, we live for our risen Savior. We serve for His sake. So why do we serve? Well, we do it for His sake. And then we serve one another with this, no strings attached. No strings attached. We serve one another expecting nothing in return, meaning, hey, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. No, no, that's not how it works. No, no strings attached. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 32 through 36, For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do the same. And if you lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. That's how we're supposed to serve. Expecting nothing in return. Simply because, well, we love Jesus. That's why I'm serving one another. And if we love Jesus, guess what? We're going to end up loving each other as Jesus loved us. So we love the Lord. We love people. Not because of people, but because of the Lord. And listen, this can solve every problem in human relations. It really can. It really can. Especially in the context of church and the context of Christianity as a whole. If we serve one another and love one another as we should. Now, you may be thinking, Pastor, that sounds all good and all. Sounds pretty magical. And it's good for Sunday school. And it may even sound a little radical to love one another, serve one another, and that fixes a lot of problems. Well, I want to tell you, I don't believe that to be just for Sunday school. I don't think that's just for kids, and I don't think it's just radical. You know what I think it is? I think it's quite biblical myself. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Romans chapter 13, verse 8 through 10, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, meaning here's what the law says. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. Again, Paul goes on to say, And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Meaning this. He's saying this. Look. Meaning, if you love one another... If you love your neighbor, then guess what? You're not going to commit any adultery against them. <laughs> if you love one another, you're not going to go and, you know, kill them. You're not going to go steal from them. You're not going to lie to them. You're not going to covet what they have or anything else that is wrong. Why? Because you have love one for another. So Paul finishes up this way. In Romans chapter 13, verse 10, at the very end, he says this. Therefore, love is... The fulfilling of the law. So again, serving one another and loving one another does not sound so radical. It actually sounds pretty biblical to me. And quite a command coming from Paul and from the Lord himself. And it reminds me again of what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5 verse 14. Look at it with me. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even this. This one right here. If you want to follow the law, Galatians, here's the one to follow. Thou shalt love thy neighbor. As thyself. 
So how can we combat some of these things? How do we combat these uh, divisions like they were facing or devouring one another or any other hindrances that we could have to our race? Well, here's a couple of them. Number one, serve one another. Number two, love one another. There are some others that we can consider to combat the hindrances to the race, and we'll consider those next Wednesday. But do these two. Start, start this evening, start this week, start Sunday, just start doing it, loving one another, serving one another. And I guarantee you some of these things will begin to just dissipate and melt away that are hindering you and your race and others. Look, just serve 